Hi everyone, I'm Hetty Holmes and you're listening to The Dose Podcast, the home of healthy hedonists in search of balance. Now at Dose we are obsessed with finding our equilibrium by keeping our happy hormones in check, so we've been eagerly anticipating the launch of a new app designed to do just that. Moody Month aims to help women better understand their hormones, cycles and moods. The app allows you to log your mood, physical symptoms such as bloating, cramps or tiredness, along with external pressures such as worries about work or friends. You also get monthly reports of your logs and memos, helping you to see patterns and changes. Think of it like mood forecasting. It will sync up with your calendar and pull in details such as the weather, as well as your hormonal cycle, in order to present a visual report that could offer clues to why you're feeling down to make you feel better. Moody Month is the brainchild of marketing genius Amy Thompson, who suffered adrenal fatigue after building a multi-million pound global marketing agency in her 20s, working with global brands such as Nike, Microsoft and RBS. And I have the pleasure of catching up with her this morning. Amy, welcome. Thank you so much. So the last few years must have been a whirlwind for you. I remember attending one of your events for Scene back in 2015, and God, you know how to pull a crowd. (laughs) I mean, yeah, the madness of feeling like you've had three lives within the last like 15 years is quite crazy so yeah we worked with Nike and we did these events which were all about kind of connecting audiences with social communications so it was kind of as I said I say a lot it's kind of pre-Instagram which is a mad thing to think about because no one I can't imagine my life without Instagram which is mad um so it was all about creating experiences which can be quantified through audiences and engagement um but yeah it was a very uh, we were early to the, to that party yeah, so you <laughs> ironically were 23, is that right? I was 23 that? yeah but it was 2011 when we first started the agency so but yeah I was really really young and I think at the time I didn't notice or think about that um I was just very aware of being in the right place at the right time because there was a level of luck to kind of where things landed mm-hmm. and then I felt as though that luck was put on my plate for me to do something with. So I became incredibly driven to be able to achieve what we we set out to do, which was build a communications agency, which was talking to the audience from the audience. So rather than lots of kind of stuffy old guys sitting in old ad rooms deciding how we should be communicated to, we wanted to create an environment where we understood how and why someone would want to engage with a brand. But as you rightly kind of identified, the problem with having incredible drive and potentially not even knowing where your limits are is you push yourself beyond your limits. And I was working kind of 24 hours a day. You know, the more and more successful the business became, the less and less time I took for myself. Um, And I was traveling a lot. So I was all over the world. And so there's also a huge impact of jet lag as well within that. And my my hormones and my body just crashed. But there wasn't there was a lot of test and learn. So I didn't have actually when I first kind of found out about cortisol and stress and um, all your hormones and how they can impact on your body. I didn't know that they they even existed really in that way. (laughs) I knew your hormones as something that you kind of experienced maybe with PMS or that when you were pregnant, you know, I hadn't really connected the dots between my emotional state, my moods, my symptoms and actually my biological body. Um, So yeah, it was that kind of two years. So it was around 2016 when 
2015, sorry, when I started experiencing quite extreme symptoms like my period stopping, um, weight gain. Um, and then what my default was to do was just to throw myself into exercise. Mm, which and is what so, a lot of people do now. Yeah, yeah. because I thought, oh, I know, I need to kind of get healthy and happier. Um, but I was filling my body with adrenaline. So I was actually creating more stress for my body and not letting my body heal, which wasn't the right decision. So was it the period stopping that triggered you to make a change? Um, It was actually the period stopping that made me realise that there was something wrong because before that I genuinely... Because when you're... I was 27, 26, 27, I was living every possible dream I could have imagined you know I, I had no idea my wildest dreams that I would be able to kind of scale this business I was able, I was in you know from the outside having all this fun and having you know having it all as it were but the reality was that I was just putting myself under this kind of continual expectation of strain and not because I was driving towards something but because I was actually in the kind of eye of the storm with yeah. scaling the business you know t- 27 being in that place we had big teams and I was I was just trying to prove a point and I my brain was still functioning so there was no note like I I couldn't I didn't actually notice my moods change or my kind of emotional state change it was only because my physical body began to change that actually I had to take notice it's quite clever how it just kicks in and just tells you it's not yeah yeah yeah. it's your it's your barometer right so I then realized because of that that I needed to do something but the the problem was it was just the quantity of time it took me to be able to find out what was wrong um so the first thing was you go to your doctor obviously and you say my periods have stopped and the first thing that they will tell you is come back when they've stopped for three months and obviously you think well they have stopped for three months or they haven't and I I hadn't kept like I haven't kept a note because I just I'd noticed that I hadn't had a period in a while and then my default was obviously to buy about 100 pregnancy tests because I was just like oh god Um, but I I wasn't pregnant I was kind of getting yeah feeling really lethargic as well and so they said go back for three months so I had to go and wait for three months to even be able to tell them 100% yep my periods have stopped which then is obviously about six months in reality yeah, or seven I mean, months because you're so busy flying around the world scheduling in the yeah so you, you don't even notice until that point so then then what they say is keep a diary so they ask you to keep a diary of what you're eating, what you're drinking, just kind of a, basically a food diary of things because there could be multiple reasons. They also say, well, what from my experience was um, there was because of the experience and where I was holding a lot of my weight was all around my tummy and they said PCOS could be something that it is. So I had to then go and book in for tests. So not only is there an implication on you psychologically thinking what have I done and what's gone wrong there's also the process that you're actually physically going through which causes so much more additional stress to your body and your mind and that was the thing that I realized where I was you know I was 28 by this stage nothing had really been solved by this point because I'd been in this kind of state of uncertainty for seven months and there was no conclusive view on what was actually wrong apart from essentially the fact that I was really stressed that was the only thing that the kind of the GP route yeah but, and there's no there's no pharmaceutical solution for that mm. so they can't medicate you for stress well they, they, there are obviously there are solutions for kind of things when they start to escalate into forms of depression but you in that level you just have to s- slow down there's no other answer did you go and seek out kind of specialists in that area like gynecologists and well yeah this is the other thing I realised I had the privilege of money so I was in a place where because of the business um, you know I hadn't 
the thing was that I hadn't kind of, you know, I didn't come from money. So I kind of had this money that I was kind of like freely available in your 20s. And you're not the most smart with money in your 20s when you have it. So I was kind of just like going wild and buying stupid things. But I was like, okay, I'm going to invest a little bit in myself. But I didn't even know who to ask. So, you know, it it was this weird thing where I thought, well, even if I have money to spend, how do I do it? But also, how is it? that just because I have capital, I can actually explore this information. Yeah, it seems and unfair. So, yeah, it seems really so many other unfair. women going through it. Yeah, and, and I was thinking about my stress is very privileged stress in some respects because it comes from a place of being successful and having access. And I was like, imagine having you know, two jobs and and kids and all, I mean, those women are under more stress than I'm under and they're not getting the ability to go and talk to a nutritionist and explore a gynecologist and like, you know, have all this access because, you know, I'm I'm a huge advocate of the NHS, but it it is a process as well. So there's also for you to be informed about what's going on. And the problem I found, and this is what we found across the board is, women don't really feel confident to even ask and especially when it comes to things to do with your body and especially when it comes to things to do with your mood and your physicality because it's perceived as something as oh it's just a woman's issue or it's something that's like it might be your period or they don't even ask you about your period it's kind of swept under the carpet yeah Yeah. and you know there's there's a lot of women that go misdiagnosed or a misdiagnosis of things like bipolar because actually they're experiencing these huge highs and lows within their cycle So I started to research not just from my own case in point, but also just from a women's health perspective, because I was so shocked by my own lack of understanding and then the only access having this kind of being that I had to pay for it. And ultimately, the answer was I needed to slow down. I needed to stop pushing myself and traveling as much. And I needed to do a bit more kind of yin exercise, so a bit more yoga and drink green tea and stop drinking so much coffee because I was basically fueling myself with caffeine and sugar. That's quite a current thing. A lot of people are living a very yang lifestyle at the moment, lots of Mm. high intensity, lots of boozing, lots of going out. But actually you neglect that other side of you that needs to slow down and sleep and it's like self-care. Yeah, totally. But it's also just having the ability to listen. Because there are some times where I'm totally fine with like being on high propensity and like yeah. going for it and going wild, and but then there's also times where you need to listen to your body. But we're not we're not trained or given the tools to be able to listen properly, and we're kind of conditioned to think, well, I'm I must be mad or I must be it must just be me or you know. And then when you go to your doctor, it's really intimidating yeah. actually. Like the experience for me that whole year, I felt. I was a really like confident person and by the end of the year although I had a rough idea maybe what the the problem was I had no solution because the problem wasn't solvable immediately it was going to take me another year potentially even longer to get to kind of a happier place again because when your hormones get off kilter it can take months and months for them to to get back on track before you start seeing the change, yeah. So tell me about how you obviously had this epiphany that you needed to look after yourself. Did you then go to your board and say you needed to slow down? How did it happen? Yeah, well, it was an interesting... um, That's an interesting story because, yeah, I I realised that obviously I was... I was in a position where I just couldn't carry on going in the way I was going. But I also realized that I had built this business and I had two options. I either took a step back and kind of started thinking about, you know, 
what I wanted to do with that business. But I was also in a position where I felt as though I'd done a really great job of building this agency up in, in my 20s, but did I really want that to be my legacy and was that really my calling? And I felt as though what had happened to me had happened for some, you know, some reason that I was in a place where I did have the capability to then say, well, I understand how to build a business. And I also knew that technology was for me and a lot of the work that I was doing with the, the agency through Nike or Microsoft, technology was this vehicle to, to kind of get a message out so I kind of realized that actually that's where not just as an idea about the problem but I also wanted to create a solution which was what I'd been doing for seven years I'd been kind of finding solutions for brands whereas what I wanted to do was find solutions for women um, like myself but also just more broadly for kind of as many women as possible to gain access to this information so yeah, that's where it ideated, but going to the board and having to tell my kind of, you know, team, oh, I'm, I'm gonna leave, was also obviously quite a stressful experience. Yeah. So that was 2016 when that kind of all happened. Yeah. Um, 2017 was kind of where the, the implications of that, but going to the board and them kind of thinking I was essentially losing my mind and that I'd really lost the plot because I was saying, well, I'm gonna go and build technology for hormones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just, I mean, they were really incredible, actually. Like, they were incredibly supportive. and But I do think they thought I'd lost the plot. Yeah. <laughs> were they sad to see you go? Obviously, because you were, like, the one that set it up. It must have been quite a... Yeah, yeah. but I think in any instance, you know, the, the yeah, there was obviously that process. And it took, you know, it wasn't a, I'm off, see you later. Like, yeah. it was, which was also the other problem, right? None of these things, they take time. Yeah. You know, it took me, it took me almost 18 months to get to a point where that was a decision that I could that I could actually even walk out of the door. Yeah. Um, it's not like leaving a normal job. So yeah, that was a process. And then kind of going on the journey. Raising money again. Or raising looking, money again, which was also my, I, I kind of didn't listen. So I wasn't taking my own advice no, when I first- didn't want to slow down. You no, I, I, I'd been on this journey of exiting the business and selling my shares and you know, that was stressful enough. And I was in my mind, I was ready and raring to go. Mm. And this was, as I say, this was 2017. I was kind of absolutely pumped. So we launched the web platform um, in November of, of 2017. And I just, I'd pushed myself too far. And I and I realized within that, first, that last three months of that year or that last two months of the year, I was, I, so I went to America, yeah. um, partly because I thought I should get away and partly so to, I could raise money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized from raising capital at that point, I was like, too much. <laughs> I had to come back to the UK because it was I was putting too much pressure on myself again. Yeah. And tell me about this story of this amazing investor you met in Ireland. Cause this yeah, is so, well, actually, do you know what? I was thinking about this the other day um, because I talked about it on Emma Gannon's podcast. And I realized that, you know, it's not just Kira, actually. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm really fortunate in the place we're in. So the kind of story was that I'd, been to America I'd been offered some VC money in the States but they wanted me to start an American company and I decided that that wasn't the right decision for Moody because it could it needed to be founded and rooted in this kind of due diligence process we needed to be in a place where we were all safe and happy so we could make the business thrive and so we could get this message out because otherwise it wasn't going to be sustainable so came back to the UK and met this incredible, there was three women that were really inspiring right at the beginning. Kira is one of them. So she, a data analyst living in Ireland, incredible mind, but also just somebody that really resonated in terms of understanding this message. And she felt like, I mean, they call uh, 
the investment at that point angel investment and I actually genuinely think that they're like angels I think that's what like they come and they pick you up and they're like you can do this but they're individuals so there's not the same kind of issues or, or kind of restrictions as, as institutional capital but also a woman called Addie Pinkster as well so she was this kind of network she was ex-UBS kind of in the city um, she had this incredible network of other investors that she then introduced me to um, and she was another one who just said you need to do this you need to make this happen and we will support you and it was that realisation that there were people out there that were going to help make this a reality not because of anything other than they realised that this was such a huge gap you know funding is difficult for women and yeah. I'd like to pretend that it's not but it, it is hard because you are convincing people who don't understand the problem because the majority of investors are male exactly so I bet you had some awkward conversations with them <laughs> well it's, it's interesting because I think it's it's about storytelling with investing but you're 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 kind of trying to explain a problem that's just so obvious to you yeah. Um, it's so obvious that you have these monthly hormone cycles and we're not given the information to understand them and we need to be empowering women to better understand their moods and symptoms that go on in a natural month so that they can identify something when it might be wrong or even just feeling less guilty about the kind of natural cycles they go through. And what you have to do with a guy when you're explaining that more often than not and this isn't kind of every case, is say, every month you go through a cycle. These are the four phases of your cycle. Like, go through the kind of detail of, like, it's not about bleed. It's about the hormones that you experience and, you know, relating it to, to them. Whereas with women, they're like, yeah, I get it. get it. It's just, yeah. I, I understand. Yeah. But how are you going to make this sustainable is always the question that you get from women. Because the problem is if you build brilliant technology, you can't build technology and then it just end it has to be built so it can sustain and what I didn't want to do was build a business that relied on selling data because mm. that was the other thing about this whole industry that really shocked me was I was looking at all these apps and all this thing all these things for period tracking yeah. so period tracking was always already an established thing but my problem was I couldn't track my period because I wasn't having one so I was kind of hacking them and trying to use them and then I started reading about you know, the fact that a lot of those businesses, you know, there's a few really bad examples, like really bad cases, some that, some that are much better, but a few where they're just kind of built to, to kind of understand certain elements of vulnerability or, you know, what, what is, you know, yes, data is very, very powerful in that space, but you also have a responsibility to, to data to make sure that your audience is protected. And there are some brilliant period tracking, but your period is a utility. It shouldn't just be about how to get pregnant or not get pregnant. Um, or it shouldn't be a utility, sorry. Should it should educate you. It should educate you. Yeah, it's one part of a whole month. Mm. So what we wanted to do was take it out of that space of the kind of, people understood how tra to track their period, but say, well, you can track your period, but you can also understand all this other information on a daily basis about what's going on with your body. Mm. And that's your lifestyle as well. That's what I love about the app, because obviously it's launched now, and yeah. I've been having a little play with it. And you can actually record voice memos to yourself, yeah. which you can record obviously on the day, and then it sends you a report at the end of the month yeah. where you can actually capture that. And it's quite, I guess it's like keeping a diary, isn't it? But it, it does obviously feedback, you know, real data about what's going on with your body, your hormones. Exactly. Um, so it's kind of very personalised, which I love. Totally. And it's, it's actually just because... To, for you to understand yourself better is the most powerful asset you have. If you are able to say with conviction when you go to that doctor on that first session, I have 
I felt something was wrong and I took it into my own hands and I started tracking what were the moods, what were the symptoms, what when my last period was, and this is the data. They can't, they're going to ask you to go away and keep a diary anyway, so why don't you, like the idea of being prepared for situations like that is also really powerful and giving women the tools to be more confident because it's also the words you know you you kind of uh, when you're in this kind of slightly even when you're happy and healthy and everything's going well we do find it difficult to articulate the highs and the lows and what is going on and why it's happening because we're not given the information yeah it's so, so true yeah. um so do you think moody's filling a gap in the wellness industry then do you think we're living in this age as you said of like emotional intelligence where we want yeah. to be more in touch with that. I mean, I'm I'm a huge advocate of emotional intelligence because I think we've lived in an era of, so I always describe it as IQ and EQ. So we've lived in an era of where IQ has been valued much higher than EQ for a really long time. But the problem with IQ is it's logic orientated and it's about saying, well, I'm going to get from A to B and these are the steps I'm going to take and I'm going to avoid my emotions to get there. Now, we live in an era of technology and whether you like it or not, IQ is actually quite a robotic way of working. And if I'm honest, robots do IQ better than humans. <laughs> and we this is a very different topic and discussion to go straight into kind of that. But yeah. for me, if we're thinking about EQ, saying, well, we have all these incredible assets within our minds and within our bodies, which are about understanding our emotional intelligence, like tapping into your ability to communicate with other people on a human level, how to be happier, how to kind of live in a world where we are surrounded by so much information it becomes so stressful like what are the tools that we're being given to help us be more intelligent with our emotions tap into ourselves better understand ourselves but also they're not being used against us so they're not being used to sell us more things or you know or like things that we don't need necessarily you know how how are the how is technology helping us navigate that space in a more healthy way um which is why you know we are looking at you know we are a business like we we wanted to build a technology company which helped women tap into their emotional intelligence and understand themselves but we also are aware that we don't want to sell data so we have to be mindful of creating more of a kind of marketplace model so you know the thing for me that i found so stressful in my own personal case was Vitamins and supplements were a huge part of how I could supplement a better diet. Mm-hmm. But understanding what to take, when to take it. At the right time. At the right times. Exactly. And it was just such a minefield. And I had to spend a lot of money on nutritionists to be able to understand and navigate it. And I I felt like that was the thing that felt like it should be more democratic. Was if we were going to create a business model for Moody, it should be about being more democratic with the information that can help you be well and can help you be healthy and the same with exercise you know we're all told which was the same problem right I was throwing myself into spin classes I mean I love spin still but there's certain points in the month it wasn't the right workout at the right time right so there's certain points in the month where I'm absolutely huge advocate of spin but then I shouldn't be you shouldn't be pushing yourself into it just because we're told to it's not linear like you should be listening to when it's right for you yeah is that something that Moody might be able to then tell you about is like which workouts to do at which times of the month that's the plan yeah Yeah, that's awesome it's just it's understanding your energy right so if you know that you're so there's four phases within your hormone cycle of your month you have your kind of bleed phase and then you go into your rising estrogen Um, your rising estrogen gives you a lot more energy you're a lot more extrovert you have a lot more kind of your pain threshold is higher which is also helpful when you're thinking about cardio because sometimes you do need to be a little bit more ballsy uh, ballsy with it so but you also have a slightly higher risk of injury because you do push yourself a bit harder so you know that in that first phase you're kind of 
you're sparky, you're feeling great, that could be a good time to kind of push yourself a little bit more. And then your kind of ovulation happens and then post your ovulation, your progesterone rises, which means that you're you're kind of a lot more sensitive, you're a lot more sensitive to your environment. Um, but it also means just being mindful of, well, if you're going to do a workout, don't be so hard on yourself. If the week before you were able to hit a PB, the week after your ovulation, you're not. It's not because you're worse. It's just your body's in a different state, which is, you know, a very common understanding for athletes. But yeah, I was going to say, that, I, bet, I wonder if they strip it down to oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's it's the problem, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's not a problem. It's about understanding your period and understanding your cycle. But mm-hmm. if you're doing a big race and say you're an athlete doing that race, you know, you do have to know what is the right thing for your body on that day based on where you are within your cycle. Because if you're on your period, and I know there's been a huge amount, certainly in like tennis as well, some incredible minds talking about this. Um, you know, if you're too on your period, one, tennis is you're all wearing white (laughs) (laughs) like and then also you know your 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 energy is going to be in a different place and so it's saying well how can we how can we better prepare every woman um you know in every part of their life to be able to understand how they can tap into the the kind of um the different balance because no part of your cycle is negative per se Mm -hmm. i mean everyone most people have experienced some level of pms and i mean mine is actually very very manageable it's just a bit of a kind of mood swing situation going on um but i know it obviously inside out but you know there there is also a reflection point so the way we talk about all the phases you know even your bleed your bleed is actually resetting so the fact that your body is shedding and resetting is such a positive thing but we I mean it's a don't get me wrong I'm not trying to like get everyone to kind of embrace um their period on every level but I do think we're conditioned to think what a hassle and it is a hassle because you have to think about it more but if you know the emotional positives Mm. of that kind of shedding then it's actually a benefit and for you not having any periods that was obviously such a concern you didn't oh, know really where you were back at, I was like, <laughs> was like I wanted to have a party yeah, yeah the day party. the day my periods came back do you know what I said I have I, forgot, I mean I haven't actually told this story very often but um I was actually sat in the loo at work at, in the agency and I decided it was such an eerie experience because I was I decided that I needed to leave because I knew I couldn't get myself healthy if I was in this position and I was sat in the bathroom and I think the you know you can think things a lot and you can kind of go through the motions but when you actually conclude and make a decision about something there's something quite physical about it yeah. 20 minutes later my period came really how yeah. funny and it was honestly I swear to like I swear down it was because I'd been holding on yeah. to this decision and I, I had to let go it just makes me feel like some things are out of your control. You know, yeah. like those angels that came into your life at the right time know, right. and that just happened to you just there and then. Like, It makes me feel like there's something else more divine at work there. I mean, it's just the idea of when there's an amazing book actually by Elizabeth Gilbert called Big Magic. It's a brilliant yeah. book. And it's it's kind of very affirming to think that, you know, these ideas are not exclusive to us as individuals, right? You know, I am not the first person to have concepted the idea that we want to help women tap into their cycle and their understanding of hormones. But I think I was in a very unique position where I understood technology, I understood business and I understood community and and word of mouth and also how to build brand. Um, And within that, it allowed me to kind of 
work with the insight and the understanding to deliver this very important idea. But it's not really about me <laughs> anymore. It's much bigger than that. It's about the people and the women that are in the in the mix. So we have an all-female coding team, for example, and we work with some incredible doctors in the UK and the US to be able to talk about not just what your cycle means, but also we're working with an incredible psychiatrist in the States who specializes in female mood disorders. So looking at the impact of menstrual cycle on um, bipolar and looking at menstrual cycle on memory and actually trying to understand from a scientific and a research perspective how we can you know, use some of this information to help advance science as well. Because what we found in the process of building this technology was science is quite behind. <laughs> well, women's health is very under-researched. Um, it's a really sad reality that actually, again, with most things, you know, there has been, there is a more, there is a much higher uh, kind of male to female ratio in sciences, same in technology. And with that, you create bias. And so women's health has been researched for commercial value. So you have a huge amount of money that goes behind things like the contraceptive pill, behind HRT, you know, things which are commercially viable to pharmaceutical companies. But women's health and mental health as a kind of understood topic is still very, very under-researched. And the misdiagnosis, one of the things that um, Christina or Dr. Drake um, in the States is looking at is um, misdiagnosis of bipolar because it happens so frequently and um, you know certain male clinicians are not asking at what part, point in your cycle are you experiencing these symptoms mm. and then the discovery of PMDD and, and you know mm. like you know clinical depression being kind of triggered by your cycle I mean that was discovered two years ago you know this it's crazy that we're suddenly making you know the discussion of menstrual health a topic mm. and even Apple I mean I'm you know I think Apple do a brilliant job with data but they are they are biased in their own right and when they launched HealthKit in 2014 um, I think it was 2014 they missed out menstrual health <laughs> I mean it's 50% of the population and when it comes to health kind of a big deal so yeah it's uh, yeah it's a time for change as well so with all these insights that you can gather from your app you can feed that into you know a specialist who then can prescribe you yeah. the right things and, and feed that in from a clinical perspective the, the benefit to clinicians is that they are in a world where they are only exposed to the amount of patients that they can see in a day in a year in a lifetime mm. whereas the beauty of technology is that it can connect the dots a lot more you know you've got incredible advances in AI and data technologies but what really the power of understanding what people are experiencing because you know it's all well and good that we have incredible diagnostic tools being developed but actually on the front line GPs just want to understand what are the big problems that most people are facing and what are the patterns so you know everyone knows that anxiety disorders and stress disorders are on a huge rise but the environmental factors and the location and the kind of almost the, the, the patterns of where they're coming from are really still very much in an infantile stage. And there's a lot of assumptions that it's connected to technology. And I wouldn't disagree necessarily if you think about the amount of time we're spending on our phones. But I think that you can't reverse engineer technology, but you can use technology to help better understand the symptoms and the human conditions that we're going through now to then find solutions. So you say the app can obviously educate yourself on your moods, but will you be taking any of that data to look at kind of broader trends and to 
kind of by donating. It. So yeah, what yeah. we're launching and we'll be next year when we launch it, but we're going to launch something called a data donor card. <laughs> so if you're a user of Moody Month, you can donate your data to research. So we want to set up um, kind of teams of, of research where we're looking at well, what are the problems that we want or we can kind of academically address. So memory is actually a really big one. So looking at the relationship between memory and menstruation, because within your month, there's a lot of experience that women have where their memory fluctuates at different points in their cycle. I mean, it happens to me all the time. I you get, get days yeah. where you're like, I can't even remember my own you're name. You're just not on form. Yeah. Just something's going and on. And I walk yeah. into things and yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. so <laughs> clumsiness clumsy. and bad memory basically yeah. definitely connected to my cycles. But that, that's not research, right? So, or not very well researched. So what we wanted to do was say, well, if we can tell you by researching and you donate your data that there is a direct correlation between your memory and certain points in your cycle, we can A, use that to inform the wider Moody Month community and we can say, this is the days that you might be experiencing memory kind of um, issues or clumsiness or whatever it might be. But what we can also do is say, well, what within the kind of research and within the clinical space, how can that help benefit people's understanding of themselves? So when you go to your GP, say you're talking about something which has got to do with memory and it has got to do with your fogginess, you can also say, well, test on these days because these are the days that your memory is supposed to be sharpest not test on every day and then assume that you're going to be the same so again it just kind of all these simple things which sound very obvious they're just not it's using that kind of bridge between how we can create a community and create solutions for women on the ground Mm -hmm. but also then on a macro perspective also potentially make change yeah furthering the conversation exactly um, so also you're the founder of the Future Girl Corp. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, Future Girl Corp is the kind of brainchild of, um, actually it came from a, a lot of conversations, but Sharma, Sharma Dean Reed, so she's a good friend of mine and we'd worked together a long time ago doing things on Nike. And she, we kept talking about the fact that they're just all the problems we were seeing with the girls that we were mentoring or the women that we were talking to about business was just the perception that they had of themselves and what they could achieve. And, you know, we were maybe a little bit unique in the fact that we were quite, were super confident and we were kind of out there doing doing it already. But, you know, we were aware that there were certain things that had been luck, but neither of us had come from, you know, privilege necessarily. Like we had kind of built that from essentially nothing to something and we wanted to share that experience in a relatable way so we started Future Girl Corp to start to talk about not hey look at me how did I start my business but more like what are the tools you actually need so how do you write a forecast what is the kind of legal issues that you're likely to face hiring you know you can't start a business without a team and one of the biggest challenges is you know when even within the funding networks even if you get to the point that you've built the business and the case and you've built a team And then you're raising capital, being able to spend the money in the right way is one of the biggest barriers as well, because women um, historically have been a lot more cautious about decision making, a lot more due diligence goes into some of the decision making potentially. And so therefore, that means that it's slower in terms of the investment process or whatever it might be. You know, again, we're talking about this from much more qualitative information. But the quantitative data is that, you know, only 4% of VC money goes to female founders. Um, And that is a problem, because it means that more and more businesses that are male funded, male founded are being elevated. And then 
the problems that, you know, femtech as this kind of big category. You know, we talked about this with Future Girl. It was saying, well, how can we mobilize within our categories more women that can go out and just start their conversation and start their business and feel empowered to be able to get it done? And categories like femtech becoming even a category in 2018 is all well been around for a few years and in the industry but it's mad that that's happening now it should yeah should have been on the agenda a long time (laughs) i mean yeah but but we're here now so we've just got to do what we have at our disposal and that is about empowerment and i think a lot of what we do with future girl core future girl corp is is economic empowerment so and actually Sharma did an incredible TED talk um, on the weekend which if anyone has an opportunity to watch should watch because it was about exactly that it was economic empowerment of women because that's what she was right and the, you know the talk was brilliant but it was also really landing this message of you know we need to not just talk about the conversation but until we're on a level economically with men, it's going to be very difficult to prove that there are reasons why these problems are so systemic. And we need, you know, women to go out and get paid (laughs) and be empowered to get paid and not be apologetic for the fact that we need to earn money and put food on the table. That's the reality of your day today. And do you host regular kind of workshops and talks to get other women so, involved? Yeah, so we have um, we have an event, we had an event programme. We are going to carry on doing the events. Mm-hmm. The only challenge we slightly had with it was obviously we're both, and all of us actually, Pierre and Tabitha as well, who are also involved in the founding team, all have day jobs and are building our own products and our own businesses. So what we wanted to do was create something that didn't rely on our time because <laughs> we're quite time poor at the moment. So next year we're launching um, a course which is kind of 12, 12 modules um, from writing a vision statement to you know hosting your first investor meetings and you know how you can take an idea to a reality. Mm-hmm. And that's a digital course that's going to be free. And you know we've we've kind of self-funded to get it to that point because we just feel like really passionately that this information should be more accessible um you shouldn't have to have an mba to be able to start a business exactly (laughs) i don't have an mba that's fab well we'll contain the links at the end of the talk so yeah people can have a look at that um so tell me about your hormones now do you feel like after all this research you've done you have them in check i mean no (laughs) so this is the other thing right you're not you don't ever solve the problem like your moods are not there to be solved they're there to be understood my hormones are still actually an issue like they do and because when you have anything when you it flares up so when you're under stress it flares up different times of year Um, and interestingly over the last uh, six months obviously with the build and everything else it has taken its toll a little bit there has been a lot of stress and a lot of pressure because I do it's a different kind of pressure to running the agency so the pressure with the agency was just you know get the job done make the money get the next job whereas this is a lot more emotional so it's a lot more passion I'm you know I'm really invested in this idea and the mission and the vision and so we decided not to take on institutional capital too quickly we're now in a place where we're taking on institutional capital because we are able to feel as though we know how we're going to scale because you know even just the fact that we had to launch the apple only product right because we didn't have enough budget to be able to do two apps so android and apple and then also we can only launch in one country straight away because it's a gradual process because you only have so much money to do what you can do even with the investment that we had so we want to be able to do 
as many countries as possible. We want to do Android as quickly as possible. You know, we want to get this product into as many women's hands as possible to help as many women as possible. But that has its own issues because, you know, raising capital is a compromise and a sacrifice on on time and energy. But we're getting there. But my body, yeah, it's... uh, but it, it, I, I mean, I know I'm incredibly biased, but I do use the app. Yeah, so you're more educated and informed I'm, now. Yeah, and I know when to slow down yeah. and I know when to take a bit of a breather and I know when to talk about the fact that I'm really tired. It's when you, my, my indicator is I get really, really bad water retention. So I get really swollen and I get really kind of bloated and I feel really uncomfortable because I can't fit in them in my clothes and I have to wear joggers, which is fine, but then it's not the most professional outfit. Um and then the other problem I have is um, I'm really good at sleeping, but almost too good. Mm-hmm. So it's actually my tiredness. Like I get really fatigued and I get this kind of heaviness in the mornings and I feel really tired. And I always know at that point I have to just stop. <laughs> no coffee, no sugar. I have to do yoga. Yes, and I have very to just, pure. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Any particular favorite workouts in London when you're here? So I am a huge advocate of, um, I do love hot pod yoga and I love like, I love hot yoga, but I don't I do it very regularly. Yeah, but I, I don't do it very regularly. annoyingly, but I do, yeah, Fierce Grace is my, well, was my favorite for yeah. a while. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I just find it such a luxury. I mean, it's like for me, that's the equivalent of doing like a spa treatment. Like I'm, it's not something I would do very regularly, but I also do love doing yoga at home. And I love the fact that, again, it just means because I'm actually not very bendy or very flexible. So, And I'm also a little bit competitive. So I do find it quite difficult sometimes in yoga classes where I'm like, how on earth are you getting your leg there? Like, I don't even understand. So doing it at home and building my strength at the moment yeah. is quite, quite good. But yeah. So yoga is your kind of go-to. You were doing a lot of spinning before, you said. Yeah, well, I, I mean, this is the thing. It's only really in the last couple of years that I really discovered that as something that can genuinely help. Because the thing that I found was I would go and I was like, what is this doing? Yeah. This isn't doing anything. I wasn't getting up. that immediate hit. Whereas, well, from yoga, like spin, I was like, right, I get this. I'm like sweating it out. I come out. I feel absolutely brilliant. But the problem was that would last about an hour and a half and then I would honestly crash it was like I was yeah it's like someone had taken all my energy and just thrown it away and then for like a day and a half so I'd have to go and do it again and then basically I was creating this permanent cycle of just cortisol and, of cortisol. Yeah. and then I was just drinking coffee and mm. God knows whatever else and then I wasn't even like feeling fit I was just Burning fat out. and sad <laughs> we'll be there yeah but it, I guess it puts you in that fight flight zone doesn't it it's thrilling it's kind of you feel yeah. like you're running yeah, yeah, away yeah. from a tiger really. oh absolutely and that's the thing right you're, you're kind of um, you get the energy from it and that's why I found it really difficult to get into yoga because I just wasn't I'm quite a high intensity person by nature as well and so going and doing yoga was really counterintuitive like it was more intuitive for me to learn to ski in my like late 20s and 30s than do yoga which is mad because skiing is also very weird when you're a grown-up um but like I was just like no this doesn't really make sense and then when I started to realize it was about rhythm and routine and actually being able to do it at home and you know uh, there's my friend was like you have to try this yoga with Adrian girl she's amazing on YouTube I was like late to the party obviously with her but I think it's just that like having someone that's relatable to you and I think she does a really good job of like doing that and delivering that through video but also anyone can access it yeah. which is brilliant great so I just want to finish off by asking you three things that you would tell your younger self oh. if you had the chance to go back in time oh the first would just be don't push yourself so hard you'll get there (laughs) which is a wonderful thing to have in hindsight but you don't you know having to prove a point and being successful 
just having the ability to know yourself first and know what happiness and success means to you, which sounds incredibly cliched, but from the experience of where I pushed myself to, you know, having all the things that you think that you want, actually, when you don't have your happiness and your health, it's like the biggest issue. Um, so yeah, slow down. Um, give yoga a go. Because <laughs> I've just explained like, oh, I was so anti it. I was so kind of, which is, you know, it wasn't hard, hardcore, like it made me feel like I was buzzing, then I wasn't into it. But yeah, I definitely tell myself to do that. Um, and generally I think just being much more uh, aware of myself and my cycle like it was it was such a penny drop kind of light bulb moment where I realized that I had all the information inside my body I just yeah. needed to listen to it yeah which is amazing. mad yeah. well congratulations the app is amazing um, and I'm sure more and more people will get to hear about it soon thank you so much for joining me today oh, it's been an absolute pleasure thank you see you soon If you have any questions about any of the content discussed in today's podcast, please drop us a line at hello at whateveryourdose.com. You can also refer to the links in the show notes below. Want to know more about Dose? Visit www.whateveryourdose.com and sign up to receive our weekly newsletters for feel-good content and events across fitness, food and drink to get your happy hormones firing. Hormones firing.